initiate startup process. Now, all the way live. Hey, yo, <laughs> y'all know what this is. Damn it, the most hip hop and R&B. I want to introduce to y'all. It's infamous. Call your friends and tell them it's going down now. It's going down. You understand that? This is live. Let's go. In five, four, three, two, one. Boom Bap Nation Radio. I'm your host, The Infamous Amadeus. Make sure you subscribe to The Infamous Hour. All social media platforms, smarturl.it slash The Infamous Hour. We've officially hit over 500,000 streams. And Boom Bap Nation on Facebook alone is approaching 1.5 million hardcore hip-hop fans. If you're a hardcore hip-hop fan, then you remember the ultimate Breaks and Beats series. It was a dope compilation of break beats and DJing. And right now I have the man himself on live, Breakbeat Lou. What's up? Peace, brother. What's up, brother? How are you? Yes, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I like to give credit credit to I'm the co-creator because there was one person. It was two of us that actually did the product. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's no longer with us. His name is Lenny Roberts, but it was two of us that did this. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, we were the uh, co-creators of the Ultimate Breaks and Beats compilation. That I, I like to say it was instrumental for keeping hip hop hip hop. Yeah. Um. So, the the first the first compilation album I believe was like in '86 uh, at that time. So I mean, you growing up in New York in the '70s, um, not a prevalent hip hop market. What, what was it like growing up with, with with the type of music you guys were listening to, and how did it you know transition into what we know it is today? Well, in New York, it, like it's. It, you know, New York is being a melting pot of people. So you also had a melting pot of different music that you would pick up. So like the culture of hip hop just follows the same, you know, same route. Uh, you know, getting its, its foundation as far as sound systems and playing, you know, music outside with, with, with mics and stuff like that from uh, the guys that came over from Jamaica in the 60s. And then the same kind of aspect you had the influx of Latinos coming into New York in the 50s and, and, and 60s, which you actually get the, the Mambo, the, the uh, Wawanko, which then became Salsa. And then you also had, you know, every other, every other uh, denomination in New York, which you had the rock music, you had the, the folk music, you had the, you know, the, the stuff that, the, the funk and, and, the, and then the rock and roll coming out of that, the blues. So, you know, getting the whole melting pot you know, our ears were tuned to be more of an eclectic palette that we would like everything. So, you know, that's that's how New York was. We, we, the same way I would listen to Pink Floyd, the same way I would listen to James Brown, or I would listen to Willie Colong. So it was a melting pot. There was no segregation really in New York and, and the time that I was growing up, especially in the early 70s, you know, into the mid-70s. Yeah. Um, initially, um, when, 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 um, when the hip-hop concept came through it, it was in cohesive to what your series was it was like like the drop from you know your favorite soul records um what made you guys decide to take these drops and these drum loops and actually put them on wax well i, I honestly speak for myself I, you understand in the early 70s when hip-hop you know started brewing before it had the name uh there was these you know all these records that only a few people knew like bambada herc grandmaster flash charlie chase theodore and so on and so on. So being that you was you was in that a lot of guys were in tune and the culture was coming up. So they go let's get let's take it from seventy three to seventy six. It was still brewing into a certain thing. People didn't know what was going on as far as the these records came from. So then we started, you know, uh seeing what was growing up. Now seventy seven was the blackout, which then, you know, by by the blackout happening and, you know, there was a lot of stores that gifted a lot of people's sound systems. So instead of having a sound system crew every, you know, mile radius, you had a crew every four or five blocks. Yeah. And then systems were prevalent. So then the DJ culture started growing. So as the DJ culture started growing, the, the, the interest for these records started growing with it also. So because these records were either obscure or older or people that didn't read this record. So we started with it putting out bootleg 12 inches from 78 to 80. So in 80, we have created this record called, uh, this record company called Bolso Miko, which is a bootleg label. And then Africa Mambada had given us two tapes. One was Flash and the Freest Fires Live at Bronx River. And this pause tape done by Africa Islam, which then became the infamous Bolso Miko 
fusion beats and flash of the beat. So then that became of the top selling 12 inch that we had. So then at the same time, Paul Whitley had done super disco breaks, but he was more on the disco side of the break beats. We wanted to keep it in the funk, you know, what we call boom bass style. So then we created the octopus break beats bootlegs from 80 to 84. So then that became the tools for the second generation of DJs to utilize. And the reason I got involved and started doing these things because I felt if the foundation of something does not prevail to the, 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 the second and third step, what was happening in the 80s, a lot of the DJs were cutting up rap records as break beats and they were forgetting about the organic aspect of the funk records or rock records and the original break beats that you heard in the park. So we felt that we should utilize those records that we had, put them there and facilitate the second generation and third generation of DJs to have these records. And that was what birthed Street Beat Records as a legitimate label in 1986, which then became a DJ tool slash production sampling tool. Yeah. Um, the Ultimate Breaks and Beat series, um, I'm assuming um, that producers at this time would, instead of sampling drums directly from the record, they would probably go, I mean, it would make more sense to go to your series and then take it from there since they didn't have to, um, you know, kind of look through the record and hear the whole record. Um, but but how, how would the royalty process and something like that go? Like, I mean, you would sample a record and they would sample you. So w w would it come back to you and, and derivative to the original publisher or would it go directly to the publisher? Like, how would that work exactly? No, it go. what we were doing, we were getting mechanical licensing from Harry Fox Publishing, mm -hmm. which entailed... You, it's like there was an old company, KTEL, or if you see the CD now that Arista brings out, that you have these little compilations that come out that give you like the greatest hits of the year, stuff like that. It's that same process. You can utilize mechanical licensing and release records as a compilation and pay royalties off the back. So what we would do, let's say we would say, we're pressing up 5,000 records. We give that paperwork to uh, 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 Harry Fox, and there's a set rate for mechanical licensing. You pay that up front. And that's how it's taken care of. That's how it was back in the day. So we don't own the original royalties. All we were doing was re we having the permission to re-release a pre-copywritten product that was already released prior to what we had released. So it was, it was not that we were creating anything. The only thing that was different between ours and other people is that because we were using it as a DJ tool or, or when it became a production tool, I Intel ended up, you know, boosting up the volume of certain records because we wanted to make sure that it was good for DJs to rock on loud sound systems. And then the second tier was I was editing records because a lot of DJs in the second generation DJ weren't as fast or as technically savvy as, let's say, Theodore or Grandmaster Flash. So we gave them like a crib note on how the beat should sound when it's longer so that it can practice and then entail get faster and then become, you know, the, the, the technically savvy DJs that became after, after that situation. Yeah, um, I, I found when I was growing up in the '90s, uh, watching hip hop, um, the Latin presence in hip hop wasn't as you know prevalent previous. Uh, you know, I had the the, the fortunate enough to to witness Terror Squad, um, Big Pun, and but but previously before that, we had Latin rappers. Um, we we obviously had Latin b boys, DJs, etc. Um, was the acceptance kind of the same in the '70s going into the '80s during the creation of hip hop? Was it maybe a struggle? Um, you know, with, with like Latinos trying to break into this um, culture? Well, let me tell you something. Now, people are going to get mad at this, and I'm in the process of doing documentary on this. I would tell you this much. If it wasn't for Latino, hip-hop's would not been what it is. Mm -hmm. Latinos invoked hip-hop to becoming what it became. But I'm saying that is saying this. The b-boy aspect, what, what invoked Herc to do what he did was the b-boys. The reason he started rocking breaks in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a continuity kind of a way in a, in, a, in a fluid, you know, just a brace only was because he he saw that when these brakes came in at this particular part of the record, these B-boys end up taking the attention of the of the party, per se. So the B-boys was what invoked her to create this thing. And as far as I can remember, 90% of the B-boys that I know are all Latinos. So, maybe they, you know, you understand something. This, 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 this B-boy up rock, which is what became break, breaking, is what invoke these dancers to do what they did. So these dancers were already doing this in the 60s. So now these Latino dancers were, went to these jams and started taking, as soon as you heard 
the breakdown from Apache or the breakdown from the Mexican or the breakdown from giving up a turn to lose or the breakdown from just begun, these circles evoke these dancers to take over the, the, the party. So as far as Latinos being accepted, it's not even about being accepted. We were there since day one, part one, subject one, sub-subject one since the beginning. So they, as far as it being you know, us integrated, I, I disagree. We were there from the inception. So if it wasn't, again, for Latinos, I don't feel hip-hop would have been what it is. Yeah, that, 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 is, that is a great analogy. Now, now moving forward, hip-hop becomes this massive explosion uh, of musician and sales and marketing for, for corporations and, you know, a way for artists and artistic people to make it out of the, the ghettos and, and, you know, provide for their families and et cetera. But it, it, it's very hard to ignore that um, the entire like drum and bass, the jungle sound is a direct derivative from the sample series that you guys put out. Um, you, you can hear the breaks, you can hear them on, on multiple records. Like, how, how did that actually come about? And were you directly um, influenced or did it have hands on as far as that goes? Well, I say this we, we were the facilitators and we were the, again, we, we were the, the ones that invoked and, and, Somebody by the, I don't even know the art, the, the author named Dan Charnas. Yeah, of course. He told me one thing long time, a while back. He goes, There is nobody, nobody that's ever stood behind a mixing board that has more of their DNA than me as Ultimate Breaking Beats recorder and editor. Yeah. So anything that, that has relativeness to break beats that we use from the compilation. I, you know, we were at the foundation of it. And I'm not trying to sound, you know, uh, pompous or, or trying to sound like, uh, you know, egotistic or prima donnish. The fact is the fact, like, you know, the, the, the scratching without theater, there will be no, no Cuber. Without, without, without Grandmaster Flash, there'll be no theater. So Flash is the first guy that I know that I would say is technically responsible for making it you know, right for somebody to rap on beat with somebody coming back and forth because what Herc was doing was totally, Herc was just putting breaking, but he wasn't really on top of on beat. The yeah. main DJ that was doing that for him was this guy named DJ JC. But that's going another direction. But again, all these are genres that, ex that explored and, 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 um, and uh, utilized the breakbeats. Like there was, a, there was a documentary that was done by CNN <clears throat> on the Amen Brother break. And every time they kept they kept searching about where who how did you get this record, it kept coming back to ultimate breaks and beats. You know, how drum and bass killing all these guys, ultimate breaks and beats. So then they had to interview me. So then I'm saying the way it happened with us, because if you look at it, it was on volume one. I heard the record originally from Bambada at Blanche River. But when we put it, we introduced that record to the world. So as far as us taking anything from anybody I would say, you know, we, we were the ones that facilitated these foundational beats to the world as the world knows them now. Yeah. That make, you know, I hope you answered the question. The question. No, I definitely answer the question. Um, what, what was hip hop like at that time? Because uh, we live in a different time. I don't think we'll ever be able to experience that authentic culture of, you know, dancing in the park, um, the DJ, uh, you know, giving us this sound that we never heard before. And people generally enjoying this, being a direct derivative from disco and soul. Um, just kind of, kind of paint a picture for like the younger people that may be listening of what hip hop was like during the time of the release of the series. Well, hip hop was a little more communicative, if, I, if that makes any sense. It was more of, of you know, like I say, each one to each one. It was more of trying to keep something, you know, uh, uh, positive in, in, in the in the in the fold trying to keep something that will bring you know a, a good time and peaceful uh environment for us to reunite or unite even though like a human being there's always disagreements and people get you know feelings hurt and stuff like that but that's that's all well and good but when you you saw the thing the time it was it was a, it was like a, a a house party taken outside that's the best way to put it because you you your music that you heard it was music that you already heard at home because a lot of the breaks and beats that were being used at the time was records that we heard 
prior to, you know, in our homes, unless, you know, there was something that was rediscovered from a different region. But it was more, again, more of a family-orientated kind of thing. It was more having fun situation. It wasn't more, it wasn't, you know, the money wasn't in there involved yet, of course. The egos weren't no worse than me as big because we were all, you know, in, in the sense, you know, looking for something to express because the days in, in those days in at schools, that you know, music uh, classes were taken out, art classes were taken, you know, out, especially in the hood. So we had no real way to express ourselves. So this was a way for us to express ourselves to one, our peers and those that come, you know, and, and our neighbors and those that come from out of different neighborhoods to realize what we do and how we do it. So it was more, again, of, a, 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 uh, we'll say a house party, you know, times 10. That's where I would put it. Um, it, it's interesting to see how the entire culture has shifted from the time you're describing to the time that we are now where the entire art of the culture is lost, the entire DJ aspect, the, the, the break beat, although the younger generation does have a different form of dance, but the expression kind of doesn't feel the same. Um, how, in your opinion, how do we go from these aspects of hip hop being prevalent, being the things that matter to us to it not even mattering anymore, even just the art of being an MC and more so, how do we begin to install this into the younger generation so we can kind of restore this back? Well, I feel this way, and I'm, you know, a lot of my OG counterparts may disagree. I feel it's technically our responsibility in the sense of being the ones that are leading by example. Because the same way we are looking upon this generation and the things the way they, they are you know, going or the, thing, or the way they're doing the, the things they do, it was the same way our fathers and grandfathers were looking at us. So but we didn't learn from them, I feel, and, and, I, and I get this all the time because I tend to, I do lectures also. So I make it a point to at least, you know, we are never too old to learn, right? So I make it a point to at least know what they're listening to. And, and me as a DJ, my, my job, you know, as a DJ, which I also incorporate into that, that portion of my life, the lecturing is, as a DJ, I have to know what makes your floor move. So no matter if I like it, I don't like it. Like, and let's go back to the seventies. In the seventies, they were good MCs and they were whack MCs. So you had, you know, the Kumo D's that were considered a lyrical Grandmaster Flash. I mean, Grandmaster Kaz, Grandmaster Millie Mel. They were all lyrical. Then you had Busy B. At one time, Busy B was the the, the, the top notch dude. But when these guys came to play, then people started down looking at him. But now all of those guys are considered legends, right? Yeah. So then you have the second generation. You have the the the, Kuma, the the KRS ones, the Rakim, the Big Daddy Kane's, the Kooji Raps, as the lyrical guys, Public Enemy. Then you have the guys like you know Kwame, Kid and Play, So and Pepper, um, now, all these guys right now. If you look at a, at, at the bill, they all consider legends, correct? Yeah. So, so, it's so this is what I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> nowadays. Again, is all music bad? No, like in those days, all music wasn't bad. All music is good? No, all music is not good. But what's happening is because you tend to point, you know, we as a young, older generation, and I'm saying myself, because I've done the mistake and I've learned not to repeat that mistake, is that instead of pointing fingers, I say, what is it exactly that you want to get across from what you're saying? Yeah. It's all different frequencies. Like they say mumble rap, right? Mm-hmm. Mumble rap. Now, can you, if you can answer me everything that James Brown said in his records, wasn't that mumble also at one time? Absolutely. <laughs> and you got way, scatting, yeah. you got scatting yeah. back in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Just keep it up, big boom, big boom, big What is they saying? They saying nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? Then you got, go fast forward, you got DOS effect. Right? Yeah. So, why is it that the young generation can understand what the heck designer is saying? Mm-hmm. And little Yachty, you know, these guys, what they're saying, it's all, what I say, you know, it, it has to do with, with relative, and, and, and again, it's a different, and I don't want to sound too, too, you know, scientific, but it's different frequencies and different approach of how we, we, we look at things. We, we, we go automatically looking at something with blinders on and not giving a chance to explore it, yeah. then you, you, it was going to be negative. Like I said, this much, me as a DJ, I give anybody to tell me you go any club, this club in this day and age, or mixed club this day and age, and you throw on uh, the designer panda and, the, and you tell me the floor won't pop. 
Oh, the, the, the flow, the flow go absolutely crazy. I, mean, I, don't, I don't even think it, it matters what age group. Uh, the general feeling, the way that they've constructed the beats to sound fast, exactly. even though they're not fast. Um, you know, that was actually the best explanation I've ever heard when I've asked anybody this question. Round of applause for you. <laughs> no, that, 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 I've asked many people that same question, but you actually gave the best explanation possible. So, Break Beat Lunas, Boom Bat Nation Radio, the infamous Amadeus, the infamous hour, Live 89 FM, all the dope platforms that we're on. Um, let's talk about 2020. What's next for Break Beat Lou? Well, 2020 right now, um, you know, I've gotten back on my DJ grind heavy. So I'm doing, you know, before this COVID-19 situation came about, I was on my own little personal tour. I was doing a couple of stations on the, on the DJ side. And then I'm also on the production. I'm also the DJ for Social Mist. So I've been touring with them. And then I'm also producing. I produce a solo album that's coming out for Opio mm-hmm. uh, from Social Mistives. I produce a young lady by the name of Cassandra, the goddess, also a female. She's down with D-Block, producing a project for her. I'm doing uh, tracks for the new Sadat X and Elder Sensei project. I'm doing uh, uh, tracks for Casual, uh, his new project. Um, and Bahamadia, she's coming with some new stuff. I'm doing stuff for her. So I'm just I'm working on both aspects. People, again, they only do their, their breakbeats. I've been producing records since 19... 19- 80. So I was doing a lot of house stuff and freestyle stuff back in those early days. And I did a couple of hip hop stuff back in those days, like, you know, Tim Dog Project and a few other projects with Ultra Magnetic and stuff like that. So I've been in this game for a minute. So now I'm putting on both hats. Um, you know, my kids are grown. Uh, I, as far as me raising any more children that's out the window, I'm done. So I'm, <laughs> can't, you know, just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just chilling doing what I'm doing now. Um, again, the DJ stuff. You, I do both, you know, 45 stuff in Serato, and then on the production side, I'm doing a little bit of everything. I just also finished a track, which on the RA's, the Rugged Man album, which I forgot about saying that. Uh, another artist named Intikana, another young lady by the name of Nefertiti, I mean, Nesma Nefertiti. Again, I've been doing work for the last couple of years, so it's just been, it's been rocking out pretty good. Yeah, you're staying busy. Get up for my guest, Break B. Lou in the building. This is Boom Bap Nation Radio. I'm your host, Infamous Amadeus. Make sure you subscribe to the Infamous Hour. Tune into Boom Bap Nation. Make sure you follow Boom Bap Nation on all social media platforms. Uh, real quick, before we get out of here, shout your social media. Break B. Lou across the board. Anywhere you, any social media outlet, just type in Break B. Lou and I'll be there. And I'm more, one of the ones that I'm approachable. Any questions that I can answer, you can always DM me. And bookings the same way. I appreciate Boom Bap Nation. Hip hop for life. That's what I live. That's what I breathe. That's what I eat. Absolutely. I'm the infamous Amadeus. This is Boom Bap Nation Radio. We'll be right back after this special break. What up, what up, what up? You know what it is. Your boy, Style Speed of Ghost. It's going down right here at Shade 45 Series XM. And you are rocking with my family, the infamous Amadeus. And this is what we do. Stay tuned. Pay attention. Don't turn the station. Ghost. Infamous album day is Boom Bap Nation Radio. It's going down right here. The Infamous Hour. Make sure you subscribe to the Infamous Hour. All social media platforms. Shout out to iHeartRadio. We have officially hit over a half a million streams on all platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. And if you subscribe to SiriusXM, make sure you uh, listen to me on The Drunk Mix. It goes down every single Thursday, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, right on the line, I have a lovely young lady. You'll see her showcasing her skills with artists like Cardi B and Drake and Megan the Stallion. Uh, she's making an exquisite name for herself in the hip-hop industry as an elite dancer. Give it up for my guest, B. Jones, in the building. What's up? Hey, y'all. What's it? <laughs> um, very first question. Um, I, I noticed that you did the, the Doki Doki video with, with Cardi B. Um, the, the cross between the Latin market and just hip-hop has been just an amazing thing. Um, do you make adjustments as a dancer coming into that type of situation? Do I have to make adjustments? Well, usually, um, just being a dancer, period, you have to be able to adjust to dancing with any type of dancer and any type of sound. Because, you know, I also dance for Megan Trainer, which is pop. So, you know, I'm able to do it all, not just dance for your rapper mm. or your Latin artist, but you have to be able to be well-rounded in all areas. Um sexuality as a woman as a woman uh, especially in uh, in 2020 is is more so prevalent i think it's, it has a lot to do with social media um 
we can trace back to even Madonna, you know, Marilyn Monroe. I mean, this has been going on in the 60s. Um, do you think just a, a regular woman who may be twerking on Instagram may be getting the wrong impression by social media? Of course it is. I feel like people look so down on twerking. They, you know, they call us out of, well, really with African-American women, we we get looked at differently when we do it, when we've been doing it for years you know but when another race does it it gets it you know on social media it goes viral everyone's glorifying it because i guess when it's another race they never seen them do it so it's more popular when they do it but if we do it we're looked at as trashy or nasty it's not like a great look if we do it on instagram versus somebody else yeah Um, so it's just (laughs) <laughs> yeah, early on in this episode, I had a guy by the name of Breakbeat Lou. Um, he invented what is called the break, which is like the original drums um, and, and b-boying. And in, oh in, in the time that hip-hop has evolved into what it is, the actual different elements of hip-hop have kind of gotten lost. But in recent times, the dancing element um, mm-hmm. of, of hip-hop has came to the forefront, especially with the spread of social media. Um, how, dif- right. how difficult is it to you know be on a stage in front of 30,000 people and arena and stay on cue dancing uh, multiple songs like talk about the preparation yeah. process and the, and the and the thing that it does to your mental well so the preparation process is actually pretty intense um you know you go to eight hour rehearsals you're in rehearsals every day you know you have to learn a full 35 to an hour set and really i'm a professional so it's actually very easy for me at this point because obviously I get nervous before before you get on that stage it's nerve wracking but once you hit that stage it's like I black out it's like it's just second nature to me because I've been dancing I've been doing this since I was eight years old it's just now I'm doing it professionally so it's kind of like I've trained for years to get to this point in my life yeah um you to be have- okay You've been able to work with many artists, Meek Mill, Future, uh, we mentioned Cardi B, um, Megan mm-hmm. Thee Stallion, and, and most mm-hmm. notably Nicki Minaj. City Girls. And City Girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, out of all the artists, which one do you find was the easiest to work with? Ooh. <laughs> um, really, I would say all of the males. Um, Megan Thee Stallion is amazing to work with also. Very chill, very humble. But definitely every male that I've worked for is super easy because they don't they don't um, look prior much as long as you have the skill and you know exactly what you're doing. It's very smooth selling. Oh, so, so you would say working for the female will be more difficult than working with a male in general because the male is not looking at the, at the technical aspect of the dancing. Exactly. Well, it's, as long as you're talented and you're doing your job, you're you're a business they that's fine as far as females when you work with a female you they care about your look your size sometimes hair color it's just a different thing when working with a female because obviously i'm a female so sometimes not any of the females that i've worked for but sometimes females you know want you to change your hair they want you to lose pounds or they they don't want you to look similar to them so that's where it kind of is kind of like walking on eggshells. With men, they just want you to be talented, want you to have a look, and that's it. Um, how long, how long is the process to actually learn an actual dance, um, specifically for a music video and then moving on to a tour? Because when you're doing a tour, is it the same dance routine every night and you're going city to city, or are there different aspects of every show? So for a music video, it just depends on how big the production is. It could be from a week to actually learning it on set, on that set at that particular time. So you just have to really be a professional and learn quick. Because I've been in rehearsal for four days for a music video, and I have actually got on set and made up a whole routine for a music video that same morning and had to teach it to the dancers, and we just had to shoot within the next two hours. So it just really depends on your professionalism. As far as tours, we do the same routine every single night for three months, for five months. However long the tours, we do the exact same um, 
routine. Um, that probably that process is probably we get a week to learn the tour, depending on what kind of tour it is, and you do the same show every single night. Yeah, so so it's pretty much like mm-hmm. a routine now. Now traveling across the country, yeah. uh, being in these music videos, um, is it difficult to maintain some sort of like personal aspect of a life, just in general, not necessarily with men or just you know family life? Is it difficult yeah. to, um, you know, maintain this this demand of being a dancer, being on time, practicing, rehearsing, and then also just being you know your regular self on a day to day basis? Right. So it's actually very hard to balance both. When I first moved to L.A. and started to get a name in this industry, I was away from my family for like four years straight. I didn't even go home because I was so focused on chasing the dream and, and, you know, paying bills and becoming the dancer who I am today. So I actually lost a lot of time with my family that I'm making up now, obviously, but it's hard to balance being on tour for a year, six months, however long you're on tour working and also taking that time out to be with your family. Cause sometimes, you know, my fear back in the day was, okay, if I go home, I might miss out on a job opportunity. Mm-hmm. That was my mental then. But now I'm just like, you know, family over everything. I, I was just at home in Texas for a month and a half because of COVID, but now I go visit. Like, I need that ground. That's my foundation. So I need that to be able to even push more in my artistry, in my industry. Yeah. Um, the music industry in general will change uh, after the COVID-19 pandemic from your profession to my profession in radio. I, I don't know what life is going to be like um, integrating with guests. Um, but in a sense, right. there have been new innovative ways to interact with each other. Um, Zoom is one. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the online interview aspect. But from mm-hmm. a dancer's perspective, like, where do we go from here? Like, is it going to be the same? Do you think it's going to be uncomfortable to, to just even be in a room with, with your colleagues trying to, um, right. you know, be on a set? with Just, just not knowing um, the, the, thing, the thing that we're dealing with, the virus and how right. it spread. Right. Um, I feel like it's going to be very different, honestly, because even like them saying um, no tours or concerts until maybe fall of 2021, it's like really honestly, a lot of, you know, entertainers are without work right now. What the most we really can do is, you know, Zoom classes, Um, you know, people pay us to do TikToks, like really that's all we can do right now. I don't see how it's going to be after this. Um, once it opens, I'm pretty sure. I, I just, I don't know how it's going to be once everything opens. Yeah, I, it's going to definitely be a difficult time. Um, you know, me, myself, definitely. working at SiriusXM, um, in the room that we're in, you know, we have about like, you know, 40 different stations on the same floor. So how are we going to integrate with guests? How are we going to mingle with people? How are we even going to integrate back into regular life? So, so moving forward, 2020 and beyond, uh, what, what is next for B Jones? Obviously we we are limited right now with this situation, but when things clear, what do we have in the schedule? What is on the agenda? Well, I have a twerk class that I just branded called the twerk shop LA. And I will be doing classes. Um, I'm also a movement coach. So I have my twerk classes and I also do privates for artists as well, teaching them how to dance. So once COVID is over, I will be um, teaching my twerk classes again, as well as doing movement coaches for artists and choreography as well. Round of applause for the twerk class. Uh what, what makes a perfect twerker, in your opinion? I mean, we, we see many women try to do it. Uh, we, we see, uh, you know, here in the New York City area, um, we, we have bartenders. So bartenders are like our models and stuff, and they, they yeah. dance one way, but, you know, the way you would dance is another way. What is the perfect twerk, in your opinion? Um, the perfect twerk to me is, is as, long as, the, as long as the butt jiggles. Okay. You well, know what I'm saying? Round of applause. Like, Hold on. It has to jiggle. <laughs> and as long as you have the right outfit on, you're good. So so there is a science behind the twerking. You need the right jiggle, probably the right angle, arching your back a certain way, and the outfit. Uh, and what uh, aspect does the outfit? Oh, the outfit. Hold on. Another round of applause. The outfit for sure. <laughs> well, honestly, because you don't, you don't want to wear anything too tight. Like, for instance, 
this is what the girls do that don't have butts, but it helps make their butt look like it's moving more than it is. You wear print, something printed, printed mm. shorts, printed tight, and now they have the new tights that got the incension in the butt crack. Mm-hmm. So it makes it look like you have a butt and that your butt is moving. So I'm also working on a clothing brand hey. for my twerk class. So it appears as if you have a big butt and your butt is shaking, but it's really just the pattern, honestly. So coming mm-hmm. soon. <laughs> coming soon. Um, um, the, the twerk revolution, as we just stated earlier, um, I mean, we have everybody twerking. We have celebrities twerking. We have, yep. um, you know, we have white people, Spanish people, Asian people. Right. But, but, but again, just, just to kind of touch back with, with the entire like African American community, um, you know, Latinos mm-hmm. in a sense, I mean, we're all minorities. Um, yeah. Why is it that, you know, females in, you know, urban culture get frowned upon when it comes to, you know, showing sexuality, but then, you know, someone who lives in, you know, Beverly Hills doesn't get the same reaction from the public? Right. I think it's a lot with um, body type because I get that a lot because of my body. I, I could look a certain way. I could wear something and then someone skinny that doesn't have curves curves can wear something and it looks completely different so if i'm working on instagram my body is shaped the way it is and you see the same girl who doesn't have the same shape doing the same thing is going to look less trashy just because of the body type yeah so the and bo- that's so just it. something that i had to just okay just is what it is at mm-hmm. this point well on behalf of every man in america we appreciate your twerking round of applause Thank you. <laughs> this is Boom Bap Nation Radio. I'm your host, The Infamous Sound. Today is make sure you tune into my podcast, The Infamous Sound. Once again, Shade 45 Series X. Every single Thursday, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Giving you classic hip-hop records. B. Jones on the line. Real quick, shout your social media. Shout out how they can get into your twerk class and any other thing you want to talk about. You can follow me on Instagram at B underscore Jones 6. And if you have any inquiries about Twerk Shop LA, you can just DM me on there. All right, super dope. I'm there for some days. Any record you want to hear going out? Um, we could do Savage Remix by Beyonce. Hey, and Beyonce Meg. jumped on that Savage. Shout out to Texas. All right, there for some days. This is the infamous Sour Boom Bap Nation Radio. We'll be right back. <coughs> testing, testing, testing. One, two, one, two. Testing, testing. One, two. <coughs> we good? We good? Yo, that's a good question. All right, cool. Go ahead, screen. Get the cops in here. That's all we need. This should be played. Should be played. Should be played as loud as possible. You hear me? Turn, turn it up. It's go, 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 going in. It's going in. I'm getting excited just hearing about it. Boom Bap Nation Radio. I'm your host, The Infamous Amadeus. This is The Infamous Hour. Make sure to subscribe to The Infamous Hour. All social media platforms at The Infamous Hour. Shout out to iHeartRadio. Uh, Shade 45, Sirius XM every single Thursday, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. I'm lighting up them airwaves. And make sure you follow Boom Bap Nation. We are approaching 1.5 million followers on social media, specifically Facebook. Shout out to everyone on there. Uh, right now on the line, I have the social media influencer herself, although she is a musician. Give it up for Mila Dawn in the building. What's up, girl? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. COVID-19 has hit America hard on uh, the New York City area. I'm from New York City, but I don't actually live in New York City anywhere. Uh, New York City basically has the cooties, so I'm not going back anytime soon. But um, uh, in, in the part of the country that are you, where are you from exactly? Uh, I'm from L.A. You're from L.A. Are you in L.A. now? Yes. Right, how are we dealing? How are we dealing with COVID nineteen in LA? I, I remember early on in the COVID nineteen pandemic, it, it looked kind of spooky over there with San Francisco locking down. But now that things have moved forward, how are we moving? You know, honestly, there's so many people out. I don't think people care anymore. Wow. I was watching CNN. I was watching CNN. I guess Orange County. I'm not sure what that is. They opened the beaches. Now we have like a big lawsuit. <laughs> um. Why do you think people in L.A. just honestly don't care? They're just moving around like there's just honestly nothing going on. Um, you know, I think the first two weeks people were like, OK, yeah, we're going to stay home. Um, it was super quiet. And um, now today I was driving on the freeway and there was so much traffic. Uh, I just think people are just kind of over it and they want to get out the house. And it's almost been two months. So yeah. mm-hmm. I can understand why. Like I actually traveled. I just got back from Dallas. 
So okay. I can understand. Um, uh, what is the flight process like now? I, I'm uh, getting on a plane, <laughs> even driving. I mean, it must be super spooky and super weird. Um, you know what? So the plane, they're supposed to be practicing social distancing. Um, and so they're supposed to only, uh, have select seats to purchase, mm. but both flights were packed. So, um, the really? first flight to Dallas, really? yes, full. I was supposed to, there was supposed to be nobody in between me and my camera girl. And yet there was, <laughs> but coming back, um, it wasn't as full, but still like, they're not practicing social distancing at all anymore, um, even though they say that they are. Wow. Uh, ho hopefully they'll practice social distancing uh, moving forward because it's a very real situation. And we are losing a lot yeah. of lives. Uh, rest in peace to the 70,000 people who have lost their life to COVID-19 here in America. Now, um, you're a musician. Uh, one of the, the things about the Internet is um, you can actually, you know, uh, make, make your way navigating in this kind of like social media influencing type of market. We see many people doing it. Uh, what made you decide getting into the skits and to just marketing yourself as a social media influencer? Uh, so it started three years ago. Uh, I was just strictly doing my music and then, um, I had somebody who I didn't know reach out to me and asked if I wanted to be a part of his skits and I'd never did a skit in my life. And I was like, sure, why not? I used to act. And literally since that day, three years ago, I, I built my platform on doing content or content creators, what they call it, mm -hmm. um, the skits. So that, yeah, that's how I got into it. Uh, what, what is the thought process behind content creation? Um, I, I come from the film uh, industry. Um, I've shot videos for a bunch of different people, but the content creation is a little different um, when you're actually doing it for social media. So are, are you guys like writing the skits out? Is it on the fly? Like how exactly is a skit arranged? Just if you give a brief synopsis. Um, so when I first started out, uh, we would always write down what we were going to do. There was no lines. It was all improv. Um, and so that's how we went about it at first. Um, I, I know a lot of people, they, everybody has their different things. Me, I always think of situations that have happened to me, um, and then I bring them to life. Um, or if I see like a show or something, I'll take an idea from there um, and I'll recreate it. But what I've, I've found, like TikTok, so my biggest platform right now is Instagram, but my second biggest is TikTok. On there, I have uh, 300K. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then Instagram is 380. But, um, yeah, no, TikTok is easy. TikTok is simple. I do some skits on there, but it's like people like to see like live action stuff, like stuff that uh, wouldn't really happen or normally happen in the real world. And people just want to laugh or like see and enjoy so honestly tiktok is way easier to gain followers than instagram is right now yeah instagram seems a little yeah. more demanding plus plus the market of instagram is just i mean there's so many social media influences um what, what are some of the things yeah. that you do specifically on instagram to separate yourself from other you know quote unquote social media influencers or content creators um i think people like me because i do different stuff i sing i do i dance in my videos, um, I'm always hype. I always bring energy. So I feel like that's why. But I would kind of be, like, I've never been compared to B. Simone or Watch Jazzy. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I fall in between those two. Yeah, so, somewhere in the middle. Um, growing, mm -hmm. up, growing up in the 90s, um, me, myself, we had a very deep Hispanic root in hip-hop. Uh, we had Big Pun. We had just... You know, you know, uh, Fat Joe, and, and you know, we, we were in the forefront. Now, coming, moving on to 2020, Latin musicians in hip hop, not in the Latin market, because the Latin market has completely exploded. In my opinion, the Latin market is even bigger than hip hop with mm -hmm. Bimbo. You know, you got Bad Bunny, you have, you know, Drake, Tory yeah. Lanez doing Spanish records. Um, but, but, but in your opinion, as a Hispanic musician in hip hop in general, why do you think we don't have Latin leadership in 2020 um, when it comes to creating just hip hop music? Oh, oh, that was a good I, question. <laughs> that is a question. Uh, it's a good question, but I don't. I honestly, I don't know. But I feel like there is, but people aren't paying attention. You know, yeah. Like, um, I feel like J Lo could be. Um, who else? Cardi B could be, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, I totally would love to, but I don't speak Spanish 
fluently. You know, it's a weird, it's a weird time. Just just Hispanics in general as hip hop musicians. I mean, Cardi B, but we're kind of in a space now where you have to kind of think about it in a sense. Where you know, when I was growing up, you could easily remember you got this guy, you got this guy, you got you know, you got a singer, you got that person. Kind of like with the Latin, but in the Hispanic market and complete Hispanic music, um, they have exploded into a new catalog of just artists. So, as a musician yourself, um, uh, um, uh, what type of records are we getting from Mia Dawn? Um, are we getting the trappy records? Are we getting the, the turn up records? Are we getting serious content? Uh, uh, can you briefly describe what your catalog sounds like? Oh my God, it's all over the place. I have uh, I have a trap R and B song that has some Spanish uh, twang in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's called Mojada. I don't know if you heard it. I did that hear one, it. Ah, uh, yeah, see, that one's everyone's favorite. Um, and then I have like the love R and B songs. Um, and then uh, I have regular like hip hop turn up pop songs. So. I'm like kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 if you could define your music in general, like or just a brief description of, of of what you want your fans to know the Mila Dawn sound to be, uh, what would that be and why? Well, if I had to, to put everything together and had one sound, um, mine would definitely be um, a '90s R&B with new new school music. Oh wow! Um, and that's because I love. Yeah, I love I love R and B in general, but um, and I grew up in the '90s, um, and just just hearing that music even now today, it's still like, you know, good. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's timeless you know, music. It very very much so, and so I I think that that's what I've always been trying to have my music sound like. I have one song called "Thing for You," mm-hmm. um, and that one is definitely like a '90s R and B Aaliyah type of vibe um so that's what that's my goal in making my music but right now i'm kind of just everywhere oh round of applause for you absolutely <laughs> uh, this is Infamous Hour. i'm your host Infamous Hour. i'm david have me a lot uh, darn now listen um so so covid 19 is hit um it, it's, it's weird it's spooky how are we going to navigate forward when it's time to come outside i know in la you're saying they're already outside uh here in new york i don't yeah. think when they're i don't think we're ever going outside again in New York City. I'm never going outside again in New York City. I swear to God. That's what I feel like. I want to turn around. I feel like my whole summer is going to be lost. But as a content creator, as, yeah, as a musician, uh, what type of precautions do yeah. you think we're going to have to take uh, moving forward 2020 and beyond? Oh, my um, I mean, everything. Like, people don't want to fly. People don't want to um, even just go to the, the doctors. Um, there's, like, there's so every, I, literally everything. Like, when I was in Dallas, uh, they opened up the malls and they opened up um, select restaurants where you could actually sit down and dine in. Mm-hmm. Um, but even people didn't want to do that. So it's like, I don't know. I just feel like this whole thing kind of happened. It happened quick um, as far as everything being shut down. Um, and it kind of is like ruining my summer plans. Um, but I just think as far as precautions, like it's going to be going on for like the next two years. Yeah, I think it's going to be super spooky. I was I was talking about it earlier, like working at SiriusXM. Um, we're so condensed with guests. So it's like, you know, how are we going to be able to interact with people? Is it going to be the same? And, and even myself, I find myself becoming right. an ultimate germaphobe. Like, seriously, just, <laughs> you know, I'm at Walmart. I'm like, damn, this person's dirty. I can't even get outside. It's just it's, uh-huh. it's super disappointing. I, I think the whole yeah. 2020 should be canceled. Um, so 2020 and beyond right. for yourself, uh, what are we expecting? What are we getting? Obviously, we're getting the social media content, but music-wise, are we getting an album, an EP? Uh, what's in store for you? Um, well, I definitely have a music video for Mojada that's dropping any day now. <laughs> I've been waiting since March to get the, uh, the footage back, so finally it's, it's ready. Um, so Mojada's music video is coming out. I'm going to be dropping... Whew. I'm hoping an EP <laughs> I can get into the studio. Um, and I was planning a Mojada uh, summer tour, but that's canceled for right now. Yeah, for right so now. So I hope, yeah, I hope when everything is kind of getting together that I can still be able to perform and, and do like a mini tour. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully, hopefully things will return to semi uh, normal. Give it up for my guest, Mila Dawn, in the building. Uh, so, so we're going to debut a record here. Uh, what's the name of the record? Uh, talk about the record we're going to play right now. 
are you talking about Mojada? Yeah, whatever record you want to hear. <laughs> Mojada for sure. Let's go. Um, yeah, I love Mojada. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little about um, the record. Talk about the feeling of the record um, and where they could purchase that. Uh, yes. So Mojada is about a girl who sees some guys in the club um, and she doesn't think that they are on her level. So uh, they can't leave with her, basically. Um, and then you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, basically any music platform that you guys have. That's right. Give it up for Mila Dawn in the building. I'm your host, the Infamous Hour. Today is this Boom Bap Nation Radio, the Infamous Hour. Make sure you subscribe to the Infamous Hour. All social media platforms. And more importantly, tune in to me on SiriusXM Shade 45 every single Thursday, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. We're going to debut this new record, and we'll be right back here on Boom Bap Nation Radio, the Infamous Hour. You, you know, you know, it's hot outside. I'm hot, makeup's melting, hurts my eyes. But this summer, it's even hotter. It's even hotter. It's even hotter on the ones and two. Yeah. Another one bites the dust. Locked and loaded and about to blow, blow, blow the roof off. Uh-oh. This summer, you're rocking with the greatest. Let's go! Let's go! Back live on the Infamous Hour. I'm your host, the Infamous Amadeus. Be sure to follow me on social media platforms at the Infamous Amadeus. And also follow the world-famous Boom Bap Nation. Over 1 million followers on all social media platforms, particularly Facebook. If you're on Facebook, you'll be watching me on Friday nights doing the Infamous Hour live interactive podcast, uh, taking calls from listeners and so on and so forth. If you're on Facebook, make sure you get at us. we on Friday during quarantine, but I'm probably going to move it to a different day. So with the new integration that's happening uh, going on with America, people getting ready to go back to their regular lives. Now, one of the things that we all appreciate, Boom Bap Nation, the Infamous Amadeus, iHeartRadio, all the platforms that we're on, Shade 45, we, we appreciate real lyrics. As right now on the line, I have a very unique MC, Manny JR from Queens. What's up, brother? What's going on? What's going on? Um, How you doing? Thank you, sir. Yeah, that's definitely. Uh, 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 my, my favorite hip-hop rappers of all time are all from Queens. Mob Deep, Cool uh, G Rap, who I had the chance to work with, uh, LL Cool J, um, and... Of course, Nazir Jones. My favorite Queens album of all time is Capone Noriega, The War Report. I kind of throw people off with that. Um, but what kind of sound are we getting from you as far as you being an artist? Shit. Um, as far as me being an artist, I try to take from all the elements that I grew up around. Being a being a Queens native, I was born and raised in Far Rock. Uh, I live in Jamaica now. I try to take from the element of lyricism, New York, like real New York rap shit. You know what I'm saying? Like telling my life story over like over the beats and everything else as far as my pen game and play on words and something like with Nas and LL Cool J and Run DMC and it's crazy because my favorite rapper is Lauren Hill so you know I try to take from these elements as far as the artist to tell my story and my particular feelings and emotions and thoughts into a picture for people to listen to man yeah, one of, the, one of the unique things that's happened during quarantine, we have this whole versus thing, and it's interesting that you brought up Lauren Hill because we recently have this new versus battle of Jill Scott and Erica Badu, who are basically kind of the same range, with the exception of Lauren Hill as an actual rapper. Um, if you could pick one female, if you could organize your own versus battle, Lauren Hill versus ooh. who and why? Oh, oh, damn! Here in Infamous Out, we ask the tough, the tough questions, my brother. Oh. Uh. Lauren, I would have to say Lauren Hill versus Queen Latifah, man. Lauren Hill versus Queen Latifah. Yo, I would love to see that. Ooh. Wow. My, my biggest thing about it would be that, yo, besides Erica, you know what I'm saying? Lauren and Queen Latifah were some of the most iconic female rappers to me because they spit with niggas spit and with women spit at the same time. But they could spit it on that same volume and niggas spit it. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's something that really captured me as far as Lauren Hill being such a uh, influence for me was just the fact that, like, you know, mystification of Lauren Hill is something I heard late in my lifestyle in my lifetime, but mm-hmm. it it flowed so well with but just understanding what was going on with certain things, and it made me feel like, yo, these people up here know what I'm going through. They know how I'm feeling in a certain type mm-hmm. of life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Queen Latifah was just nasty. She was nasty. She was just she was, yeah, I, I thought she queen Latifah, man. Like, she was just nice. I grew up listening to her. Um, I didn't fall deeply in love with Queen 
as much as Warren, but definitely yo, I would love to see them too. That yeah. shit is fine. Uh, Queen Latifah has some iconic hip-hop moments, particularly her uh, role in the movie Set It Off. For people who don't know that, you can probably watch it on Netflix. Some, it's an iconic uh, robbery crime thriller with Queen Latifah and four other uh, young ladies uh, who have gone on to be uh, phenomenal actresses. And she's also the person that said she was going to punch somebody in the goddamn eye. They called her a bitch. <laughs> Laura Hill, on the other hand, Laura Hill, on the other hand if, if, you had, if you had both of them, right, I mean, you could kind of argue that Music wise, although Laura Hill only put out one album, that one album yeah. had a bigger success than Laura than Queen Latifah's catalog. That one album, Miseducation of Laura Hill, plus on top of the Fuji's album, she yeah. probably she probably has more commercial records. But over the lifespan of the career, I would say Queen Latifah has kind of triumphed. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I would definitely say uh, Queen Latifah definitely got into like. It's sort of like, to me, it's sort of like with Jay and Nas. Like, I would say Nas is a way better lyricist, but Jay had that business aspect to him that could elevate him from just the music plane. You know what I mean? So, you know, Lauryn Hill definitely, definitely had it with the music along with the Fugees and the, and, and the, the Refugees, the Will Fugees, and her album that she only had one album. Queen Latifah also came up in that time when it was like women rappers was it was it was known, but not the way she was doing it. But she took that style, and you can see it in her acting. You can see her personality, and she took that with her in acting and 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 marketed herself to like the highest degree, man. Yeah, That's and, a fact. And, and I think it was a little more different time uh, during Lauren Hill's uh, solo album. We were in the midst of the transition from the hardcore hip hop era into what kind yep. of would become. Pre the pre auto tune era, like I would say, kind of like you know the, the Rockefeller sound migrating yeah. into the Dipset sound, which eventually yep. led to the entire introduction to the Southern artists. Queen uh, Latifah, yep. her early albums, um, you know, it was super aggressive. I mean, this was NWA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was super, super yeah, hip hop. This was Ice T. This was uh, yep. uh, Eric being rocking. Much different time now. Yep. Being from Queens, um, and, and you sound like a young gentleman. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure right now, um, especially when you think of how, what they're playing on terrestrial radio, to sound, you know, what, what we would assume to be the popular sound, even though we, we, we know it's not. The pop smoke sound, you know, this type of sound. I mean, it's not popular because I have this argument a lot, and um, I may get in trouble for this because I'm actually going to be on FM radio now, but a majority <laughs> of people do not turn on FM radio. I mean, when you really think about, it, like, how many times do you go in your car and turn on FM radio, which is one of the reasons why we do which is Everything one, is streamed now. It, it is. Streams now. Everything is streamed. Which is one of the reasons why we've been able to strive at SiriusXM because it's a paid-for service. So, for example, if you pay for something, you're going to listen to it. You pay for your Spotify subscription. You pay. You, you listen to it in SiriusXM and yada, yada, yada. How do we maintain not getting yeah. caught up in this new New York drill sound, this auto-tune sound, and just remain smitten bars? I mean, it's hard because nowadays it's not a... It's not a knock when I say this. It's not a knock to those artists that do that and do it well. My brother does rap like that, and I think he's phenomenal at it. But it's just more of a it's more of a cultural thing. You know what I'm saying? It's more of like bars will always be a forever thing. Because if you really think about it, think about who's on Forbes magazine. No offense, you don't see the the, the pop smokes and the and the rappers that do those type of music on Forbes. But you do see the J Cole, you do see the Kendricks, and you do and you do see those pinnacle rappers like Drake and the rest of them. You know what I mean? So it's not that bars is dead. I feel like people's attention span has really, you know, it went from like, people don't listen to albums no more. You know what I mean? Like people listen to those couple songs, little good two minute, three minute songs that that's catchy. You know what I'm saying? People listen to jingles more. So it's not so much that bars is it's hard to keep up with bars. It's just the attention span of society at this moment in time right now. You know, yeah. everything 15 seconds. Everything 15 seconds video, 15 seconds this, 15 seconds that. You know, um, I don't know if you peeped it, but Joey Badass even said that. He was like, I'm not listening to nobody's album that has 25 songs on it. You see what I'm saying? Kanye shortened it. You know what I'm saying? Seven songs on an EP, on a project, you know, total. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's just the attention scheme. Bars, I think, will always be a thing. If you see the freestyles, the freestyle videos, niggas spit bars on the freestyle videos, but they post them on the grant. You feel me? Post them on the gram for the people that want to watch the, the freestyle videos. But then when they release the music, in order to keep the music coming, you know, they got to they they shorten it. They got to truncate everything. 
You feel me? So I think yeah. that's the biggest thing when it comes to music right now. Like big attention span and image. You know, everything got to be short. You got to give people small bites. You can't really give them whole big things. I, I, I also find that uh, the critical mistake that the new batch of boom bap artists are making, the new batch of lyrical artists, is that they're not creating commercial music. So essentially, you know, um, the, the whole concept of a commercial album, when you heard Jay-Z, when you heard Nas, when you heard any artist that we grew up on, that we, we've, we've loved and endured, you would basically have a record that you could play in a large environment because they didn't really have the internet at that time. So you had to attack the club. But the concept is still kind yeah. of the same. Like, people go out, they want to party. You know, you can't really party to the Griselda sound, unfortunately. Like, you know, you can, you, it's in your crib, but you can't really do it. So what, what, what would you say um, moving forward, uh, how can an unsigned artist like yourself or people that aspire to be lyricists can create commercial records, whatever commercial record sound cool. is, and still be able to maintain uh, their lyrical capacity? All right. The craziest thing is I was talking to my little cousin about this the other day. I think the best example for that is Kendrick Lamar. Um, the reason why Kendrick Lamar, you got to be able to cross over nowadays. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to music, you know what I'm saying? You got to be able to influence, infuse your music with something else that make people, you know, you, you could be lyrical, but the, the vibe of the song can be bouncy. People fuck with that. People, you know how many songs people got nowadays that niggas is lyrical, but they only know the hook, or they only know the beat, or they only know the rhythm, or they only know that one part of the song? You can have that if you have the proper crossover channel. Like, for instance, for me, I would have to say, R&B from a rapper, R&B is one of my biggest influences, and I love R&B where I'm using as a crossover now where I incorporate certain melodies in my track or I pick R&B type beats to rap over because when people hear you rapping over R&B type beats from what I've noticed, they get a little vibe to it. They be like, yo, this nigga's yeah. nice. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's, he, he's rapping and this beat is a little up-tempo and it's a little vibrant. You know what I'm saying? I could, I could rap this to my girl or mm -hmm. I could, she could rap this to her nigga or I could caption it. Another person that does it very well is Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez, Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez, man, he's, he's, he's very, yo, he's innovative in that sense of music because he does the reggae, he does the bilingual, he does the R&B fuse with thug rap music. Like, I break down a lot of artists. And he got bars, and, and he has bars and, on top of that. And he has bars. He got and real he bars. bars. He got battle rap you bars. You feel me? Yeah, exactly my point. And it's like, that's why, and people wonder why he has such confidence. I feel like he knows that he's able to do these things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do find a little small fault in the fact that he does seem to bounce off of certain rappers' sounds and styles, but in the same sense, why not? You know, at that point in time, why not? If you can do it better than him, why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not do that? You feel me? So I think crossing over is definitely the biggest thing you can do if you want to be bar like have bars but still catch people's attention yeah. is crossovers crossover music mm -hmm. definitely crossover music uh, I, I agree another artist that does this extremely well who's the most successful artist of our generation or this lifetime is drake yeah, 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 man. One thing, fact, one man. thing I respect about Drake, I mean, he always has bars on every single album. If you listen to the new uh, album that he has, he has his first three records of bars. Last album, yeah. last album, he had DJ Premier on the on the damn album. I mean, he does it well. That's but but Tory Lanez is the best example. But it's all about many JR Queens artists. Uh, we have a new record we're gonna debut. Let's talk about this song real quick. Um, I have a project about to drop for Toxic. Um. The project, uh, let's start with the name, I guess. The project stems from toxic behavior that I feel like I was going through at a certain time in my life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, typical, like, breakup shit. You know what I'm saying? My, me and my girl separated. And I went through this phase of where I felt like I was being a, being a toxic person, you know? And all the songs detail that progress, like, from the intro, which is defining my views on not only myself and other people's reactions to being relation like being that relationships are so cultivated nowadays it's so coveted you know what i'm saying um to my process of how i was toxic where it starts off with a song that y'all gonna like um tonight which is actually crazy because tonight has the same sample as adidas not the same beat but it has the same sample from tory lane's adidas track on his album Dope. um and it starts off there where i get the girl and we fall apart 
to the point where it's like, all right, cool. I was being a toxic person, and this is how it negatively affected me at the end of everything. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. toxic drops May 13th, and I really I really hope everybody listens to that shit. I, I, got, I think I got a song coming out. I think I got that on y'all thing. I sent y'all that. I remember that. Okay. And, and you're actually going to hear uh, Manny JR in rotation here on Live 89 FM. This is Dave Zizzo, yeah, yeah, yeah. on behalf of Boom Bap Nation Radio. Make sure you subscribe to be all social media platforms at the Infamous Hour. Days at the Infamous Hour. Uh, we have over 500,000 streams now. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super amazing. All right, real quick, before we get out of here, shout your social media real quick and debut your record right now. Say that one more time. I said shout your social media real quick, and then we're going to debut your record. So shout out the name of the song, shout where they can follow you at, and the name of the project one more time. Yeah. Yo, this is Manny J, y'all. You about to hear Toxic on K45. You can find me at many, uh, many.of.queen, Q-N-S, on Instagram and Twitter. 